Welcome to the Sozo Sessions podcast. My name is Amanda Lee, and this podcast is a place for all things healing. I know better than anyone that the healing journey can make you feel very alone, confused, and overwhelmed. So I've gathered my best tools possible in bringing the best guests on to interview about all things healing from a spiritual, emotional, and physical standpoint. I want you to finally feel at home in your body so you can forget about the things that are plaguing you and finally live your best life and do your God-given mission. So get cozy, grab something warm to drink, and let's dive into the Sozo Sessions. Happy Wednesday! I'm back with another episode, and today we're going to talk about emotional healing. Um, as I mentioned, this podcast is not just for physical healing. It's for all things healing. And today I'm going to talk about emotional healing in the area of your personal relationships, specifically uh, work around your parents. So why is this important? Why does this matter to those of you who are looking for physical healing as well? Well, I can personally testify that for me, the biggest things that caused the most physical damage in my health were because of my personal relationships and the divorces that I went through and everything surrounding those situations um, took the most toll. And even the burden of being in pain, being single, looking for love and not being able to find it, and just having, um, you know, the pain of divorce and the consequences of that really... Uh, plagued me. And so I was someone who wanted to find relief. I wanted to find a solution. And, you know, until the pain of change um, is basically less than the pain of staying the same, you know, a lot of times people don't take action. And for me, the pain of staying the same in this situation I was in was unbearable. So I had to find a solution. And I began to do a lot of work on myself to find that solution. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And I totally know that God can heal all the wounded parts of ourselves. But for me and for many, I believe that God brings people and tools along to help heal those wounds. And in my situation, I needed so much more than just Bible verses and spiritual principles thrown at me to get true change and relief. I needed practical tips. I needed a manual, so to say, on how to heal this inner world that was creating my experience in relationships. And I didn't want to play the victim and just blame it on everybody around me um, because I knew that I was the common denominator in my struggles. I knew that a lot of the things that my two husbands had said about me lined up. They said the same thing. So I knew that that was me and um, not to say they didn't have their things because they most certainly did. But I could only take responsible for, responsibility for my part and ultimately if I didn't shift or change then I was gonna, never going to have a different experience in love. And um, I can tell you that being in a healthy relationship really changes the game on your health. Healing your trauma uh, definitely rewires your nervous system and today's uh, call today's podcast is not just for those who've had really serious trauma, whether that's physical, emotional abuse. It doesn't have to be that. There can be so many things that just are your blueprint for how you give and accept love. And when that blueprint, um, when you're not aware of it, 
you don't even know how to communicate it to your partners that this is how you operate. And sometimes you need to change some of the ways that you operate. But the only way to really do that is to go in and redesign the blueprint. And that takes work. And it's not just saying affirmations or saying, you know, positive thinking or any of that. You have to actually go in there and heal and bind up those wounds. And God did that through me for me through the different teachers that he brought in my path that gave me practical tools. And one of those people was Kavita J. Patel, who I have with me today. And she's unique because she does something called the parent work. And she really addresses how your parental uh, blueprint really is impacting um, what you're attracted to in love, how you operate, and really has created blocks for you to healthy love, even if you had amazing parents who were still together. Um, so I think this is important. I think it's an important message to get out there. I'm very passionate about whole healing. And this was a huge part of my journey. And I can say, you know, being in a relationship with a healthy partner has changed my health. I'm more stable. I have less anxiety and worry, more security, uh, reinforcing my nervous system. When I go through hard things, I have someone there to do that with. And, um, you know, Nick and I didn't have an easy walk in the park. We definitely faced some of our struggles early on in our relationship and we had a choice of what to do. And the difference was that we both chose to continue to move forward and do that work individually and together to heal and um, it's been life-changing for me. And I want everyone to experience that. So even if you're not single today, um, this message is for you. If you're married and you have just kind of a mediocre marriage or you're looking for ways to get more intimacy and more vulner vulnerability with your partner and grow closer and have that vibrancy and that connection, you know, this is for you. If you are single and you are looking for that person this is for you because the more of those blocks you can get out of the way the healthier of an of a person you're going to draw towards you to begin with and save yourself from a lot of heartbreak from getting into relationships that are unhealthy based on your wounded patterns so um it's been interesting i've been watching the johnny depp <clears throat> trial and just seeing this play out in real time for most of the world that's interested watching um, just, you know, Johnny's history with his mother and abuse and um, the fact that he was attracted to that kind of person <clears throat> to be in relationship with really is no surprise in his patterns of retreat. And he seems like an avoidant to me to a T. And, um, you know, I kind of sympathize with Amber <clears throat> as well because I see her reactions mostly probably because of his avoidant behavior <clears throat> excuse me and uh, when you don't really understand the patterns that are playing out you can just get stuck in this mess and it just gets very messy very quickly also find it interesting that their relationship was only about two years and in most cases that is the pattern for these type of relationships um, I've been in them myself where very much a lot of chemistry in the beginning draws you together they feel like the perfect person you can use the word soulmate, whatever you want to use. The person will often morph themselves to be what you think you want or you're blind to all the red flags and you dive in hard and fast. And then, you know, in about two years, typically that has exposed itself for the lack of foundation that it has. And 
really all the woundedness just comes out. And two years is kind of one of those markers of a relationship where the brain chemistry begins to fade and you're kind of left with what is really there. So I just think that's so funny because that's such a pattern that I've seen in my own life and in many, many people who are in bad relationships and who are in these patterns. So I don't think there's one person who is innocent in that situation. I think it takes two to tango and Johnny is definitely has his wounds and his demons that are, you know, leading him to be an unhealthy person in relationship. I personally don't think he uh, is a woman beater. I don't think that that is the case. Um, just looking at his patterns and his personality type, but you know, who really knows except for the two people that are involved. Um, but anyway, in any case, it's interesting to watch it play out, especially while we're, you know, I'm focusing this work on the parent work. And I wish that both of them could do this program um, with Kavita. So uh, with no further ado, I'd love to share Kavita's bio. She is one of the most sought after world renowned relationship coaches for women who are professional, high-achieving, successful, and single. For more than a decade, she's supported thousands of clients, helping them find what she calls soul-level love. Her one-of-a-kind, cutting-edge signature approach can't be found elsewhere and has proven to get to the root of why her clients feel stuck in love and transform that so they can bring in true love and a partnership with ease. She also hosts her own YouTube channel and has been featured on CBS News, Fox News, Women's Health, Brides, and more. So... Um, yeah, I'm super stoked to bring you Kavita as we talk about the parent work. So without further ado, welcome my guest, Kavita J. Patel. Okay, so I have Kavita here and I'm so happy to uh, introduce all of you to her. She's played a big role in my life and I'm so happy she agreed to do this. Hi. Hi, happy to be here. Yes, I'm um, really excited to talk with you today and just share um, kind of about the work you do. And obviously, um, you know, you played a huge role in my growth journey and transformation. And um, I'm just excited for people to understand. So why don't you share a little bit about what you do? And then we'll get into talking about some specifics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I really work with strong, successful, ambitious, driven women that are still feeling like they don't have it all in their life because they're single and not that they need a man or, you know, it's coming from any desperation, but they really want to share their life with somebody. And they want to, um, if they're in a place where they want to start a family to do that, um, to share the second half of their life with somebody that they just feel like sees them, hears them, understands them on every level and to connect, you know, on also all those levels, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, um, physically, and for all of that to feel like they're just rising into this other part of themselves, you know, um, and really I support women in doing that by getting to what's at the root of really mm -hmm. has us feeling stuck in our love lives, you know, and I mean, like in a general term, I can say that I really support women in opening their hearts because there's just so many, and it's not just women, it's humans. We have so many heart walls, as you could call them, or like blocks that are around our hearts from disappointment and pain 
that we've experienced in our lives around love. And love doesn't necessarily mean romantic partnership, right. just in general love, you know? And so we don't even see them. We can't even, we don't even know when they're coming up, frankly, those protection mechanisms that are really truly keeping us guarded and not letting true love in. Mm-hmm. And so I do that through really supporting people and understanding where the roots of it come from within their childhood. Um, but it's, you know, nothing like therapy. I always no. have to say that. No, <laughs> not. I think that's, I think that's why I liked it so much because, you know, for me, therapy just felt like I'm just repeating my story over and over again. And it's just like a woe is me situation and nothing changed, nothing shifted. It was just me stuck in this like story of whatever I experienced exactly. and I wasn't getting anywhere. No results were, nothing was changing. So I think that's, you know, what I love about what you do. It's not just sitting there and sob story over and over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and truly like, you know, awareness can come through therapy, which is great. But like you said, nothing changes tangibly in your life. Yeah. So, you know, um, what we do is really about, looking at where you feel blocked in your love life, where there are patterns showing up. And sometimes we don't even know where they are or what they are, but Mm -hmm. there are patterns and where do they come from within Mm -hmm. what you saw around love and safety and belonging when growing up and then how to release them so that you truly can come to love from an open-hearted space. Because, you know, I'm going to go a little bit off of your question really quickly, but you know, most people think like, if I protect myself, if I keep my walls up, then, then I will not attract in a narcissistic man, or I will not attract in somebody that's emotionally unavailable, or, you know, I will save myself pain and disappointment. Mm -hmm. And in actuality, all it's doing is attracting more of that into your life. Right. But we didn't even, we don't know that, you know, it seems it seems counterintuitive to some degree, but yeah, exactly. I also loved when, you know, when I met you and I started doing um, the work with you, you know, you did this work on yourself while you were in relationship. And I think that's important too, because I do have listeners who are, who are married already and, or with someone, and they might not be in a healthy, happy relationship. And, you know, this podcast is all about healing and you can heal and, and elevate the level of the relationship you're currently in. And obviously I think the best case scenario is you do all this stuff, you get through that junk, and then your level of what you're going to bring in is higher because you're at a healthier place. But I do think you can change even within a relationship itself, right? That's what happened. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I love working with, you know, single women, but that does not mean that anything that I'm sharing today, it's exactly the same thing that I use when I'm working with married women and, and, and the same thing that I use with women in relationship, you know, so it's, it's exactly the same. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, what label you've put on your relationship. In fact, you know, whether you're open, monogamous, heterosexual, it's like, it's all the same. So And, you know, I came to you through, I had been divorced twice, actually, (laughs) when I came to you. And so, um, I mean, I was at the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do something because I'm just going to draw on the same type of relationship. And it's not even that those people I were with were bad people. It's just, I was incapable of holding a health space for a healthy relationship. I did a lot of self-sabotage myself. So I'm not even here to bash any of the people I was with in the past as much as I really had to put that as me, the common denominator, you know, because 
or else and then it's just everybody's men are awful they're evil all these bad things and you never get free actually because you're the one creating your experience so absolutely and i say to 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 the women that come to me all the time cuz there's just so much out there around you know labeling anybody and everybody but like you know i i, I was with a narcissistic man and and like to some degree there's peace in understanding that there was some patterns that were playing out Mm -hmm. that you can separate yourself from, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, as women, we can often beat ourselves up over a lot of things, especially in relationship, right? So it can feel like a sense of freedom to some degree, but then you're also trapped in thinking that you can't trust yourself on many levels because you've now labeled these men Mm -hmm. as wrong, bad, and narcissistic. Right. Um, And so it just doesn't help because it doesn't keep you from um, labeling them, doesn't keep you from having that come about again. Mm -hmm. Right. Until you say to yourself, I'm the common denominator. Let me look within. Right. And uh, I think, you know, I've said to even women who are contemplating a divorce and they don't know what to do. And I don't take divorce lightly, even though I've been through it. Um, twice because it's so horrible to go through. It's awful, especially with children involved, no, no matter how old those children are. And um, it's, I basically say, listen, you're going to have to do the work on yourself, whether you're alone or whether you're, you're with someone, either way, you still need to do this. So you might as well do it and try to see how it shifts things. And it might change the dynamic or it might not, but either way you have to do it either way. So you might as well try, you know, to shift that. And um you know, I, I think you said to me, I mean, I know you've said this many times, but you either heal it or you repeat it. And I remember having a specific call with you and you really opened my eyes to the fact that I was resisting something so much from, um, an experience with my own family who was divorced. Um, so much so of like, I can't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to do that. You're like, you're actually recreating it because you have so much energy, obsessed with not doing it you're you're, you are doing it you know and and I was like whoa and you just said you really need to neutralize that and 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 you said you need to talk to your parents you know you need to have conversation with your parents so let's talk about how your parents play a role in this because that's one way I find you really unique there's a lot of love coaches out there there's a lot of people who doing the work and all that but you really opened my eyes to work around your parents and I would say this work is so rewarding because it's not just about getting a great marriage or a healthy relationship. That's a bonus, but it's changed my relationship with my family, my parents, and also my daughter, what I know to do. So let's talk about how they play a role. And it's not just, oh, blame everything on my parents. It's not like that. So let's, how about you explain how that plays a part? Yeah. So, um, I think I'll just start with what you share, because I think that's where a lot of people are at. Um, you know, when I see things on Instagram or social media or, you know, whichever platform it could be, that's like, you know, even if a family member is toxic, like you should just get rid of them out of your life, you know, and that could be like a sibling or mom or dad or step parent or whatever. And I don't here, here's what I'll have to say is that I don't want anybody stuck in a toxic relationship, you know, Um, but toxic is very broad and very, um, uh, I don't know how else to say it other than like, it's, it's just not actually the most healthiest word to use in 
your field in terms of where you want to go next. Because the truth is, is that to your point, we all sit there and we're like, I don't want to do what my mom did to me. I don't want to do what my dad did to me. I don't ever want to become emotionally stuck. Like, you know, my dad is, or I'll never leave my child, or I will, you know, change things for my children because of the way that my parents raised me. And and all of that, to your point of what you're saying here, is getting recreated. So either it's getting recreated inside of you and you're completely clueless about it and it's just happening, or you have moments that kind of pass quickly, but you're like, oh shit, I just turned into my mom or like, oh shit, I just become, I became my dad yeah. in that moment. But they pass quickly and you don't really take note of it. Or you're attracting in people into your life that are like them because you're trying to heal this. Your yeah. your your whole human system is made to evolve and it wants to evolve. And so things that are coming into your life experiences, relationships are trying to support you and trying to help you heal things that are that have gone unhealed inside of you. So when we code them as toxic, when we throw them out as if they're not trying to say anything to us, it's actually holding us back in our own lives, you know, and especially in love. And yes, to your point also, we create these intergenerational patterns unconsciously that we then also pass down to our children, whether you have them right now or not, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think uh-huh. you, like, it's familiar when you find someone who fits that pattern. Right. So it, we were wired that way. It feels like home almost because you're like, Oh, yeah. I, I recognize this. So it's almost like, uh, wouldn't you say sometimes those type of partners have that kind of chemistry in the beginning, that's kind of electric and crazy because it's familiar, but then it turns into, okay, this is also familiar in these other ways. No, exactly. Yes. I mean, familiarity is so like unconscious. And so people will come to me and say, well, I really thought this was the relationship. I mean, it was so good in the beginning and then suddenly it changed, you know, or suddenly things completely derailed or there was mental health issues, you know, or suddenly he started to drink and suddenly, you know, but I will say that it, nothing was sudden. Nothing mm-hmm. was suddenly happening. It was just that, yes, it was easy. To, it was felt comfortable to be in kind of that tension yeah. or it felt because com- you had that in your own family or it felt comfortable to be in anxiety all the time, even though that's not comfortable actually, but it's comfortable because that's what you experience within your family or it's comfortable to be walking on eggshells around the other person because that's what you experienced in your family. And you don't even realize that you're doing it. And then it just feels like something happens out of the blue Mm -hmm. that kind of takes the rug out underneath you. Yeah. Yes. And so by doing the work with your parents, you actually start to heal some of those things that you're unconsciously recreating that you're unconsciously attracted to because it feels familiar. And you know, I love, I think you said, I don't remember the exact percentage, but you're like, we only know really 2% of our parents' story. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's, it's, it's 10%. Like oh, we know 10%. 10%. If, and that's if you have your parents share a lot about their childhood and you've asked a lot, that's if, you know, you've done that, that's still 10%. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, people are like, okay, so why does that matter? Why do we need to know more of our parents' story? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, no matter what kind of family you come from, whether it was 
you know, the, the, the idyllic family where your parents were together and loving and a team and affectionate and romantic, you know, whether you saw that or the complete opposite where there was abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, um, you know, the whole range, it doesn't matter. You do have blocks to love. And so if you experienced, you know, the idyllic parents in relationship, you'll have in your subconscious, this, this, them on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So there's these um, expectations that you have of yourself or of love that can feel out of reach. And when they feel out of reach, what you can do is sabotage again, unconsciously, of course, you're not consciously ever sabotaging. It's Mm -hmm. unconscious, but you'll do this thing where you just give up because you're like, I don't know if I could ever really have that. I don't see anybody else really have that. And I don't know if I could have that. It feels like an impossible task, or maybe you keep trying over and over and over again to try to have that, but it feels like that person's not enough or you're not enough or that person's not enough or you're not enough. And, and so then it just puts you in the cycle where you, you're unsatisfied and disappointed a lot, you know? Um, and so I say that because a lot of people come to the table thinking like, well, yeah, I'm broken in some way because my parents were totally, you know, dysfunctional, you know? And so I start with the idyllic parents because I want you to see that that's not true. You know, even if you were on the other end of the spectrum, it doesn't matter. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. There's, there's still blocks to love that are coming out. Yeah. So yeah, but to answer your question directly, like when you have your parents even coded as um, narcissistic or toxic or whatever, going on to the other side of the spectrum, you know, all that's doing is keeping us in resistance. And again, what you resist keeps persist. going, persists, right? And that comes, you know, I, I will credit that saying that I realized that from Landmark mm-hmm. long, long time ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, what you resist persists. And so anytime you're creating this sense of resistance, you think you're trying to go in the opposite direction, but it's actually pulling you towards the exact same direction. So just remember that. So we want to heal that. We don't actually want to create more of it. And so when you cut a parent off, you don't talk to them, that's only coming from the fact that you don't know what to do, you know, and you've been hurt so deeply that you're not going to put yourself through that again and again. And I don't want you to put yourself through that again and again, but there is a path there's a diff, there's a different way than just going kind of like trying over and over again to have a relationship and feeling disappointed and totally cutting somebody off. There's a middle ground there. Mm-hmm. And it's just something you have to learn. It's not something you know how to do right now at all, as you can attest to, right, yeah. Amanda. Um, and so a part of why we we I have people do kind of these questions and discovering things about your parents is it's really powerful because you start to understand why they are who they are. Okay. And some of you may have parents that easily go into their pain in the past and easily talk about it all the time. And in fact, it feels like they're just throwing all of their burden as a parent (laughs) onto you as their child or trying to fix it, or they want you to fix it or change it or make them feel better. And so it's like, Oh, do I have to go like, I already know what my mom went through when she was younger, my dad, you know, they talk about it constantly. The difference is, is that when you're actually actively being curious 
and asking questions and trying to discover things you never knew. It's a completely different experience yes. than your parents just throwing their pain onto you if that was you in, in, in this case with your parents. But a lot of times what I just see is that people really just don't know anything about their parents mm-hmm. um, and their parents maybe wanted to save them from whatever pain they've had, or their parents don't want to face the pain themselves. So they've never talked about any of it, yep. you know, and it sits in this family black box of secrets, <laughs> I'll call it, you know, and then that black box of secrets, so to speak, which is, which is, you know, padded with a lot of shame and, and whatnot. It's not just like, it, I never say that somebody's consciously trying to do these things ever. No. Yeah. Um, but it's in this black box and then it just, it comes out intergenerationally and stays in the system. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, motivation there is just like, I don't want to, I don't want that passed on to my daughter. So how do I break these patterns, you know? And I love what you just said for a, a few things. Number one, your parents don't have to be evil, awful people for you to have a reason to have these kind of conversations with them. You could have the most amazing parents. And my parents were, they love me so much. They are good people, you know, and it wasn't like I was in this terrible, toxic situation. It wasn't, but um, the point is, is that exactly what you said is even when you're in this really great, perfect marriage parent thing, you're like setting yourself up for these expectations and everything you just said. And so I love that. So it's not like people are just like, well, I don't have any issues with my parents or my parents were great, you know? And so that doesn't mean you don't have to be curious to see where your own issues are being blocked from resistance. So I love that. And two, you, I remember you just really encouraging um, everybody who was in your program at the time I did to really be curious with the questions and going in with like a different attitude than like, this is an inquisition where I'm going to shame you or I'm going to blame you, or you're in this point where you're biting at each other. Or like you said, the parents dumping on you, this is like a curious time. And, you know, I was blessed that both my parents were willing to do this with me and they loved me so much that they're like, okay, okay. You know, my, my dad was probably a little more reserved than my mom of talking, but he wanted me to, he saw the pain I was in through, through my divorces. And I'm sure part of him felt guilty, um, in, in sense for whatever reason, you know, he always tried to introduce me to therapy and do stuff around divorce because he knew. So I appreciate that about him. Um, but they were both willing to answer my questions and the stuff I found out, it wasn't even like, it was, it was just insightful to be like, Oh, I had no idea. That's what you grew up with. And so it's a no wonder that you're just operating from the best, you know, how of even like, I think, you know, just not being willing to always give compliments and understand, well, that wasn't even part of my dad's family life. So why would, why, you know, and so um, it was neat though, to kind of, you know, I I remember one specific, I asked my dad, like, why did you never compliment me or say that I was beautiful or any, you know, little girls want to twirl and have their dad say, you know, and it's not that my dad never did that. It just, there wasn't a lot of it. And, you know, his answer surprised me because he was just like, I knew you were, you were beautiful, but I wanted you to be successful. And so I tried to focus on 
he wanted me to survive in the world. You know, he wanted me to be successful. And that was his way. I know so much more about his personality type of protecting me that I'd be able to be smart and successful in the world, you know? And so that was his way of like sending me off into the world prepared. Right. And so, um, but anyway, when I told him I needed more of those words, uh, he wrote me the most beautiful card that Christmas telling me, you know, I was loved and beautiful and all these words that I needed to hear. So it, it was neat that he came you know, he heard what I needed. I understood why he didn't naturally give this and also began to accept him of like, this is how he shows love, the doing, you know, and, and the, the acts of service was my dad. He always took care of everything. Everything was taken care of. And, you know, and, but once I told him I need more words, he rose, you know, to the occasion. So I think, you know, all those things are so beautiful in healing. Um, and so those questions just open your eyes to like, understanding your parents are human people who have their own life. And it's like, I think we all reach an age where we realize that, but um, it just gives more value to them as individuals to understand who, who they are. Yeah. And I know like some, some, a lot of people will be like, what, why can't you just keep the past in the past? Or like my parents did the, the best that they could, you know, and the, it's not a question of any of that, you know, like, it's, it's not, it's what's sitting inside of you that's keeping you from opening your heart. That's what we're looking at, yeah. right? That's what we're focused on. This is not about going down this path because a lot of people be like, my parents did the best they could. And I already know that. And I've forgiven them, forgiven them and accepted them. And I'm like, it has nothing to do with accepting them. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with forgiving them. It has nothing to do with any of that actually because whatever pain is still sitting inside of you given who you are with the experience with them that's what we want to look at because that will come up in love that will come up in romantic partnership and if you don't know what's coming up for you and you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know how to release it it can absolutely derail love true love Right. Really, it did that to me in my marriage. I'm with the one, you know, um, but literally these patterns come up and you question the entire relationship. Yeah. You know, and again, to your point, like I didn't, when I look back at my parents' relationship, I mean, and who they are, I was loved. I was loved. Yeah, I was. Too. I was totally loved. But that doesn't mean I didn't have pain. And it doesn't mean that emotionally, I didn't question their love. Because logically, and in your mind, we know a lot of things. We know that I'm sure a lot of your listeners are pretty aware. We know that we wake up, we should wake up in the morning and meditate. And maybe you do yoga, or maybe you go work out, or maybe you run, that we should do those things, have a little like a healthy breakfast and start our day. Now, how many times does that actually happen? It's because of our, our emotions are actually at the driver's seat. And so you can know a lot of things. And so a lot of people will even say like, I already know this about my parents. I already know where this comes from or I know why they are who they are. And I'm like, great, whatever you know, if you're experiencing blocks in love where you feel like you're not exactly where you want to be, mm -hmm. you feel like you're either in a marriage where you're feeling extremely resentful um, or alone or you're single and you feel like you want to find that love and you can't seem to do that or you just meet men, men in your life that just reflect back to you like this feeling of unworthiness, then there's something to look at here, you know, because this is what's going to get at the root. And so 
I just wanted to, you know, call out some of those things because I know when people are listening to this, there's a lot of um, back of the head thoughts that come through. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that your parents don't love you. We all know that, but we need to shift things emotionally that you took on as a little girl as a little boy, you know, where you didn't even know you consciously took things or sorry, subconsciously took things on mm-hmm. and they're coming through and showing themselves in partnership, in relating. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say your nervous system is also practically impacted by that. And this is where Absolutely. We're about the connection, right? Physically health, physical health. We know the more childhood ACEs, adverse events you have, the higher chance autoimmune disease and struggles. So when I'm dealing with really sick people who are trying to shift their health, it's like, you cannot just do that and not look at these things, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A a thousand percent. I mean, when, when there's just so much stress that comes from our families Mm -hmm. for people, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you cut yourself out or not, and people will tell me, like, I feel, I felt so much peace when my dad passed, or I feel so much peace when my mom passed. I know, like, on a mental level, you feel peace, but on an emotional level, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. And unfortunately, as a society, we're so not in touch with what our emotions are trying to share with us, describe to us. So yeah, they get locked and loaded inside of our system and our bodies. Um, And, and because it's hard to face, it's it's hard. It feels uh, vulnerable. It feels um, like extreme amounts of fear come up because the strongest connection, right. And I call them karmic pulls Our karmic connections are with our parents, our soul whether you choose to believe this or not, it's okay. You can use your own version, Mm -hmm. but our soul has a contract with our parents and our parents' souls have a contract with us. And so that pool with one another, it's the strongest one. So when we can truly free ourselves, truly free ourselves, not just from like a surface level um, way where a lot of people are working on the surface with it, but truly free, free ourselves where we can even be with our parents in their dysfunctionality and not take it on Mm -hmm. and not feel like we have to fix it and change it or do anything with it. That's when we're free. And that's when we're also free to, to call an epic love. And I'm not saying just to be clear here, we don't have to go from zero to hundred percent. That is, that is impossible, right? We're going from zero to 10%, zero to 20%. Even that makes huge ripples in your love life and in your life in general. And I, yeah, I can attest to that too, in the sense I did want to clarify that you don't have to be fully healed or perfect to be able to get that love because I certainly wasn't. And I would say though, what changed was I brought someone in who was also willing to do that work because I was already doing it. And that's the difference with Nick is, I mean, we went through some stuff in our first year together and he had his own things we were doing. So we, we almost like healed a bit together. And it was almost like uh, it was an opportunity from the past where things would have gone bad or bad wounding that instead of that, we got closer and, and it bound up those wounds for each other. So it was really beautiful because it wasn't like these two perfect healed people. It was like no. still yeah. messy, but like oh my gosh, was it a different outcome? And that was healing in and of itself that, that, that the stuff came up, but we chose to do something different. And he chose to do his own work. And that's the biggest difference is 
I'm with somebody who recognizes their need of their own stuff, that they have their own patterns and their own need to heal and willing to grow and willing to learn. And that's the best part because when you're with someone who's not willing to do any of that work or grow, there's nowhere to go from there. And so being with a partner who's at least able to see that. And so if we get into a thing, both of us are more able to recognize like, oh, this is your blueprint. <laughs> you know, or this is my blueprint and we can stop it in the midst and, and recognize it. And we bond, we come together so much quicker. And so it's definitely not, everything's perfect. We still had lots to work through and we still do, but um, it's different. The outcome's different. And that's what's healing is because instead of turning away and pulling away and, and running away, it's like closer. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, th- this, this, I was so strong in my no <laughs> when I said that is because it's true. I don't, I don't ever say to somebody, you need to get to the ultimate place of self-love right. to then find love. You don't. I think it's total bullshit. And this idea that you have to believe completely in the fact that this person is meant for you and you're worthy, like that's bullshit too. Like yeah. there's so many moments I'm in my marriage for 15 years and it's an extraordinary relationship. And I still have moments of unworthiness hands down, you know, lots of moments of that, but it's about being in partnership with somebody that chooses all of you and that you choose all of them and you keep choosing each other to keep working it through. That's it, you know? And so, yeah, there's no perfect place. And it, it really gets under my, my skin when women come to me and be like, well, I know that I really want this love in my, and they're like ready, you know, they're ready but they're like, but I have some more work to do and I need to like, just do that work first and heal. And yeah, I mean, sure. Take some space. I'm not saying that, that, that don't do that. Right. But the real healing happens in the relating because when you're actually dating (laughs) and you're getting feedback around what's happening, you're like, Oh shit, I got to look at this. Yeah. I'm not as good off as I thought. (laughs) Exactly. But when you're just sitting there journaling on your own and like affirming things by yourself and visualizing, yeah, it all looks good. You know? Well, don't you think women can get addicted to, to the work in the sense it's almost like another shield. It's a hiding yeah, it's a hiding, it's a hiding spot. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So sh- there's a very fine line between hiding and taking space, absolutely. But I do find a lot of people hiding more than the taking space part. Yeah, yeah. Um, hiding from intimacy. That's what they're hiding from. Right, because they're like, I just have to, uh, as long as I still have this stuff to do, then I'm safe from actually being hurt and being in the relationship with with the chance of something going to go wrong and I'm going to be disappointed and heartbroken again. Yeah. Yeah. I say to my women all the time, really quickly, like, I'm just like, it's, it's like, it's like at work, you know, if you're in your work and you have fires that happen at work and I'm sure everybody experiences fires every day in their work. And if you were like, Oh my God, I just can't take another fire. Otherwise I'm going to, you know, I'm going to quit maybe you're burnt out. So that could be another scenario. I'm not saying that, but if you're not burnt out and you're like, I'm going to quit, you wouldn't do that. You would be like, okay, I got to handle this fire and, and move through it. But it's different because in love, for sure, we just have so much more. Our heart is at stake, right? Like with our work, our heart is not at stake, but where I was going with this is I say to people, like, you have to be willing to get hurt again, to find epic love because you can't actually, you can't, what you're saying is 
I will stay in my fear and settle in love, or I'm going to go for it in love and deal with the fear and deal with the disappointment, you know, and open my heart and, and be courageous enough to continually do that over and over again, even in marriage. Yes. I have had to open my heart on levels that are extremely scary to have a relationship that up levels, especially after having a child together, like a whole up level needed to happen, you know, and I've had to open my heart in ways that I didn't even know I was closed around. So this isn't even just for single. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I would say at each stage of the relationship, it's a new level of that. I mean, I'm sure you agree and have seen that, like, you know, when you first meet someone and there's fear there and giving in and like, you know, taking the leap. And then, and then when you get engaged, that was a whole new level for me coming from being divorced. Obviously I was like, yeah. Oh no. And it was like a new fear. I had to jump through of like, okay, I'm going to do this again. And then moving in was actually really hard for me because yeah. I had a safe little space for me and Audrey. It was a place I could afford. I knew once I gave that up, I'd never get this opportunity to Santa Barbara again. So actually choosing to move in and unite with Nick in that way was really scary for me. Cause I'm like, now I don't even have a way out to escape. And so that uh, triggered me. And at least I knew what was happening. So I was able to communicate yeah, what yeah. was going on. Cause he's like, why don't you like our new play? Like, I don't understand. You know, he was just, and I, and I didn't even realize what I was doing at first, but I'm like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm totally trying to sabotage this. Um, and then obviously getting married. And I think for me, if Nick and I, um, choose to have a child together, which we're leaning that direction, it will be a whole new level because of what I've experienced with my daughter's father and going through that whole stage, you know, it was really hard for it. I mean, we didn't make it past a year of of that. So, um, it will be a whole new experience. And so each time you have a choice to like, right. Turn away to what feels safe and familiar or to dive in deeper and risk risk. You got to risk in in love. Yeah. I mean, you have to risk a lot to have what you truly want because we're all desiring that deepest level of being seen and connected within relationship. And yet we don't realize, but we're running away from it you know? And so, yeah, it's like, shit, like it's, it's, it's hard. It's like sitting there and being like, like, I'm sure you've had these moments and each level of commitment does do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Each level of commitment brings up a whole lot of stuff. So it can go from like just dating to being, you know, if, if you go by traditional labels, boyfriend and girlfriend to engagement, to moving in, to marriage, to having a child, all those up levels in how much you're committing to somebody brings out a whole new layer of, of, um, having to face where intimacy is scary and vulnerable and, and having to be like, I'm going to jump in to that versus run from it. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes a difference in a marriage that's truly, like what you said, that epic love, you know, that kind of love that's like, I I don't just want a relationship to have it. Honestly, I did that. And I was like, I'm not, I don't need somebody just to have it. I'm sure you deal with women who are like that, but even women who are in these mediocre marriages where they're just roommates or they're just moving through very methodically. It's like, I do not want that. I want something that's like, we are 
you know, and I'm not saying it has to be, I'm head over heels with you every minute of the day, but it's like a rich relationship that's satisfying. And I know it's never like the beyond end all, and it will never satisfy everything of our soul, but I long so much for that. And honestly, it only comes from being vulnerable and going like what you said in marriage, the times you've had to choose to go deeper, to reveal more stuff of yourself. And, you know, and, and I find anytime in my, my marriage with my husband, when I'm vulnerable and I actually let him know what's really going on and I do it in a softness instead of this like wall or harsh or pushing away, it just creates more intimacy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't even know we like we, this is why it's a skill that's learned, right? Like this is why it's so important to get the support because you're not expected, no matter how smart, no matter how aware you are, you're not expected to be able to see the things that you're swimming in, you know? Um, And so it's, that's, and, and so then instead of being afraid of what's coming up for you or afraid of how it's coming out of you to be able to know how to face it and see where it's coming from and why it's there, what it's doing for you and how to release it. Some of the things you can release completely. Some of them are pretty deep, but the volume on them goes down, you know? So they're not in the driver's seat anymore, controlling you. Like you're able to actually have a say over them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's really so important to do because a lot of times you won't even know that you're unwilling to get vulnerable. You know, you won't even know what you're unwilling to get vulnerable about. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I remember like just being, I'm extremely aware, you know, my, my whole life, but that didn't keep me from what I went through within my marriage, you know? And so I remember sharing with Hummel one time, like just these desires that I had once we had kids, we didn't even have kids at the time, but I was so terrified because of things that I saw within my own childhood that I was terrified to even tell him. And it was simple. Like it was something so simple, you know? And then once I shared it with him and he was just like, no, like we're in this together. But if, if I had shared that with him and he hadn't said we're in this together, it could have meant the end of our relationship. That's why it was so hard. It could have, I don't know what he would have said, but you know, it could have, or it could have been another layer to have to work through. But the point is, is that he was just like, no, we're in this together. And I just, my entire system and body relaxed. And I was just like, wow, I'm in the, like, I'm in the right place. Like I knew I was the question because I wasn't allowing myself to say some of this. Yeah. And I thought I was really open. Right. Yeah. That's a great point because you were afraid of the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Terrified of what the other side of that could look like. Yeah. And I love what you said of like, we need to learn these things. We're not handed a manual of healthy relationships or intimacy or vulnerability. And it's like, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in getting help and support and learning these things. And I guess for me, you know, that saying when the pain of change, uh, or when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, then that's when you take action. And for me, I was in so much pain with a child, single mother, divorced twice alone. I'm far away from my family. I'm in another country there in Canada. And I was just so I've got to fix this, you know? And so I took action, but there's no shame in it. And it's like, I think this is a way where and, um, you know, I come from Christianity and one place, the church, and I, and I don't know about every religion, but the church, a Christian church is really lacking in, in the sense, because, um, 
there's not a lot of space for these type of tools to heal the actual and teach you the actual ways to shift things, right? Because even in the Christian counseling that I went through, through my first divorce, it was very much, again, repeating the story. And there was a lot of like band-aids of trying to put something on of like, here's what you need to do. And there was also a lot of support with you when you're trying to save your marriage. But once you go through divorce, there's nothing. So I was in this no man's land of like, well, what about me? You know? And so I felt like this is a huge place that's lacking. Like it's, it's okay to seek these tools, just like you would get a manual for your phone or your TV. It's okay if it's wisdom that allows you to learn these tools to do better. And it's like, I believe God brought the teachers that he brought in my life to heal these things um, so that I could have more of a spiritual openness and all the things that came from it. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting help and learning these things practically because um, yeah, I wasn't having any luck with just trying to spiritualize it all and try to do the right thing or pray about it. And, and I'm not saying that can't happen for people because for some people it does, but for me, I actually needed to go in there and bind up the wounds, you know, that, that happened. And I needed some practical tools to do that, to give me freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 you know, on the other end of the spectrum grew up with Eastern philosophy and I've been studying that for over 20 years. And, um, and, you know, even doing yoga and meditation since I was six years old, you know, literally learning it since I was six years old and the path to enlightenment that didn't stop me from like having, you know, Hemel break up with me. And then we got back together and now we're two years into marriage and practically in this exact same spot that we were in when we first broke up and questioning our marriage and, you know, him saying he needs to talk to my dad because he wasn't sure about how we were doing and all kinds of stuff. It didn't stop any of that. And I was doing yoga and meditation my whole life, right. you know? Yep. Um, so it's, it's not that those, those aren't useful. They are because they've created this being inside of me, which is extremely aware, but there's way more to it to really help yourself uncover and understand and become aware and get into action so that you release the pain. Because some of the pain that I had, you know, at the beginning of my marriage is is completely gone. And and I'm not with somebody that is in self-development. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't do a ton of work on himself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to also put that out there, he does do some work, but you know, I'm more of the emotional leader in the relationship, but he continually chooses me. So we, I push him to up-level ourselves in the marriage over and over again. And he allows it in. I'm not saying it's easy for him. There has to be some, some form of death of ego in the process, but, um, or the layers of ego in the process, but but he chooses me so we can go there over and over again, you know? Yeah. Well, Nick would do the same thing. If he knows it's important to me, there's a lot of things he does like that, where he's just like, yeah, what are we doing now? What exactly, (laughs) you know, but he, he does choose me. And he's like, if it's important to you, then, you know, it's important to me. And I do the same for him with other things. And um, absolutely. Yeah. So why, well, why didn't, well, thank you so much for being here. This has been awesome just to chat and um, just to share this work that you do. And so why don't you share with everybody some ways that they can have access to you, learn this stuff, go deeper. Um, what do you have? Yeah. 
So there is a completely free masterclass that you can watch. It's about 45 minutes. It's, it's, it's brilliant. If I could say so myself, it's called the five shifts to attract and soul level love a man that's your equal and adores you for exactly who you are, even if you've tried it all. And most people have tried it all when they come to me in particular, you know, five to 10 years of therapy, they've done other programs. They yeah you know, done it all. And even if you're in a relationship, I would say that it's still a powerful thing to watch because I call out, you know, five beliefs that many people carry in relationship that are just completely untrue. So, um, so to, to go watch that, I know you can give them the link. It's not the most easy thing link that I could just say out loud, Um, but, but yeah, go watch that. And, um, and, and that's really what I want people to rise into is to look for and have that soul level love, whether they're in a relationship to go for that. Cause you deserve that. Mm-hmm. There's just too many marriages that are complacent and are not allowing themselves to evolve into this other state because of fear. Um, and if you're single, definitely like nothing less than soul level love, that's what you deserve. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kavita, for being here. It's always a thanks pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm so happy to say that I, you know, am in, I, when we first got on, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since I'm married and in the best relationship of my life. And I'm so thankful for it. And um, each, each time I'm afraid, oh no, is this it? Is it like gonna, the shoe's gonna drop and it just gets better. And marriage is just so fun. And um I'm really grateful. So thank you for everything you do. And I know it changed my life and I'm so thankful for you. Uh, absolutely. I'm humbled by that. And so, so happy to see you just joyous within your relationship. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Awesome. All right. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And it really was a pleasure um, for me to share Kavita with you. And I have many more experts on this topic I spent a lot of time, money, and effort to heal um, my wounds. And you know what? It paid off. And I'm so happy to say that I am in the happiest relationship of my life. And it took a long time to get here. But I don't think it was a mistake. I think everything that happens in life is for a purpose. And God doesn't waste that pain And he has turned it around and helped me become a better mother and a better person, a better wife, a better partner through it all. And for that, I am so grateful and I wouldn't trade my journey for anything. So I hope that you are open to looking into this work, whether you're married or not, to take yourself deeper in relationship and to heal this aspect of your life. Uh, If not for your marriage, for your children, um, and, you know, for your relationship with your parents, it's never too late. And if you find yourself saying things like, I'm acting just like my mother or my father and I didn't want to be, this is an opportunity for you to understand why they are the way they are and to switch things around for your own experience for your children and stop that pattern. And, I know that we all love our parents and are so grateful for them and they all are doing the best they can. And we, as parents, if you're a parent now, are doing the best you can with what you know. Um, But I'm always someone who wants to grow. 
and go deeper. So I hope that this podcast helps you do that in all different aspects. And um, I hope you come back and stay tuned for more all things healing with the Sozo Sessions. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.